ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Joe Bird, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Lee. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. Um, I'm glad you took some time with us a second time to uh, sit here on ATV Talk. And uh, we we really want to touch base on your 2006 to 2008 season. I know okay. that we brought it up briefly in the last conversation, but I think there's some good information there and, and, and some good stories. And I, wanna, I want you to elaborate on how the Honda thing happened and, and go from there. All right. Well, I guess the, uh, oh gosh, the Honda thing started back in 04. As soon as they released the machine, we got a call from Honda. They, they picked up Tim Farr first. And then they talked to myself in a tally and I met with them in, Oh, let me see Columbus, Ohio. I think I went up met, met with them up there and talked to them about what we're doing. And the, the first contract they actually offered me, I turned it, <laughs> I turned it down. I don't know if it's a smart move or what, but I thought it was, um, you know, I was thinking like the bikes, I was thinking, you know, who knows what all these guys are getting, what, what I should be getting, but I actually turned it down and I went home and I got to thinking to myself and, uh, uh, Bruce Ogman was the guy at the time. He goes, you know, think about this. He said, you know, I don't know if it's going to ever get any better. <laughs> he said, we're not, we don't have to do this. I'm like, ah, crap. So I go home. I get a few weeks. I didn't hear, hear nothing from nobody. I'm like, you know what? I got to, I don't want to buy bikes. So <laughs> they, you know, they gave me some bikes and parts and some bonuses. And I called him back up and said, what we got to do? He said, uh, I'll have you a contract tomorrow. And the uh, good thing about Bruce Ogman, I mean, a lot of guys at Honda, they, I don't know if they all follow this. I mean, but he always said, man, he, if he gets a phone call, he's going to call you back the next day. If he tells you he's going to do it, he does it. I know some of the guys that I was friends with that rode Suzuki and Kyle and some of these guys, they didn't always do exactly what they told the riders, what the contract said. They might adjust it here and there. But, man, Honda's been great for me since day one. Everything they said they were going to do, they did it, and sometimes more. So That's awesome. So you rode for Honda from 2004 till? Uh, let's see, 2004 all the way through eleven. And then they took a little break, um, I think for a year or two. And then they came back just to help me because um, I knew I was winding up my career. It wasn't like a big deal or anything. They just gave me some more bikes, parts, and bonuses. I can't remember the year. I have to look at my journal here. I want to say it was like 14 or 15 or something. Um, I believe it was 14 or 15. Just uh, as, as a loyalty thing, you know, they, they, they knew I was with them. They're, I've always rode Honda, except the one time <clears throat> in Glen Helen where we – you couldn't get the Honda, and they made the production roll in 2004. So you either run uh, Z400 Suzuki, you run the Yamaha, or you don't race. <laughs> so that's all, all they really had. So I did ride a Yamaha that race, but uh, before and after that, I've always been on a Honda. So they, they paid me back with loyalty and gave me a few more bikes and parts and bonuses, and then uh, just say, go have fun. You don't owe us nothing. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know if they, they just sent like a, a letter of intent, an extension off the old contracts is uh, what they did. and. Bruce had already had just passed away and Chuck Miller called me and a few of the guys and said, Hey, we're just doing this. We're not coming back. We're just doing it just for appreciation, you know? So it was, that was pretty cool. I thought. That is, that's really cool. Uh, I'm, and I'm glad that, that you got to have that experience. Not everybody gets it. Um, no, you're right. Especially with, you know, I know how prestigious it is to be with a factory, but 
you know, Honda has always been the bar setter. Right. And, and especially in the ATV world. So, you know, and they never really had the, the full on factory quote unquote team. You know, I was the guy that they basically hired to, you know, Joe, what do you want to do? You know, you hire the mechanics, you hire the suspension guys, you hire the engine guys, you hire the tuners, you do everything. We're going to give you a, you know, box of money, some bikes and parts. And, you know, you just have, cause I'd already been successful and they like, they didn't want to have, they didn't want to be the big grill in the room. They always said, you know, Suzuki had team coordinators and crew chiefs and truck drivers and hired on mechanics and, you know, guys that rolled for them, they just showed up in a, in a bus or showed up in an airplane with a duffel bag. They didn't have to do anything where I was the driver. I hired, I did all the legwork, but they paid me substantially well compared to what those guys were getting, but I had 10 times the stress. So I had a great crew around me, built a great facility here to, to compete with those guys. And that, that was good for me, but also drew a lot of conflict with the other teams. Cause you know, they were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars where, where Honda was spending hundreds of thousands, where those guys were spending millions of dollars. So when I would win, it would bring up a red flag to, you know, certain managers and guys that would go back to, you know, who were Kawasaki, Suzuki, where, right? who won, you know, why, why didn't we win? You know, well, Honda's a shoestring budget compared to us. So it would make those guys look bad. And so they would say, he's cheating, boss. Joe's got to be cheating. So uh, for the longest time there, I got protests about every race, trying to see if I was cheating because they made them look bad. Honda was winning on a fraction of the budget. Well, I think that in in a big portion of it, you know, the Suzuki was an experiment, and I don't think they, I don't think that they had. I mean, they had great people, Wayne Henson being one of them, and and some other guys. They were good guys, but I don't think they they developed it all the way to its potential. Yeah, they had uh, they had the team now. They had a lot of guys, and you know, I actually rode uh, for Yoshimura on a Honda for. Let me think. Um, four and five, maybe was that years, maybe, maybe six, two, they pay me a great salary to run their exhaust pipes. But that's a Dan, that's was actually hand making the pipes to suit our needs. So it just basically had a Yoshimura label on it. It looked like a Yoshimura, but you know, he was building all the pipes to what to our specs. And after old six, I won that championship. He goes, you know, I'm gonna make my own pipe. <laughs> he goes, I'm making these guys look good. I'm gonna make my own pipe. So that's when he came out with his own exhaust system. And I lost a healthy, contract then but you know i had to do what i had to do to stay with 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 nasa right hey i mean it's it is all about you know winning and and so in 2006 that was your first title on the honda that's right yep i'd i'd won some races but never well four nobody you know only a couple people even had hondas till mid-season and in 05 john Italy dominated that year he just had everybody's number I won some races, but he just kicked our ass. And in 06, I kicked his ass. <laughs> so I repaid the favor. But that's when I, I was really doing really well in 06. And that's when it was, in my opinion, 06, 7, 8. Those, those were the big years. All the factory teams were there. You know, K&M had, I think, four rigs. And Yamaha had her guys. And Jimmy White and his big rig. And, you know, Suzuki. And, you know, it was it was a show. I mean, we were all – that's what we all wanted – you know, it came with a lot of drama, of course, but we all wanted that. We all worked our butts off for it, and it finally happened again. You know, I remember in 85, 86, going and watching the three-wheeler race and Marty Hart and these guys, and then Gary Denton on the Team Suzuki with the box fans. I mean, we all wanted that, you know. we And guys like myself and Doug Gust and, you know, a lot of these guys, Tim Farr, we went through the dry spells. I mean, we're nothing. You go to the race there at, you know, Homer City, Pennsylvania, there might be 200 entries there, you know, for a national championship. And then we – we struggled through all those years, you know, paying to go racing. And now we finally got the big dollars and the big rigs. And, you know, 
came a lot of drama with that, but it was that's what we all wanted for, and it was just amazing those four or five big years we had. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I wish I could go back and <laughs> roll forward about eleven or twelve and do it all over again. I've <laughs> changed a few things, but man, I'd, those were the gravy years. It was it was awesome. That's cool. So, how did two thousand six start out for you? I believe I won the first two races. I uh, went to Glen Helen. Of course, we trained our butt off that, that year. Um, and went out there. We rented the track. Got the shocks. The actual shocks dialed in. And um, I got like a look at my – matter of fact, I think I will. I'll look at my journal and see exactly what happened. But I know I'm pretty sure I won. Maybe I won. <laughs> yeah, the old 6 7 But I started the season out good. Had a couple of hiccups. And um, for the most part, I want to say it was me and a tally. And Doug Gust battled for the championship pretty much the whole year. All right, I'm already back to like '93. Let me find my. So, so Natalie wasn't as as dominant as he was. He well, I'd say Natalie was probably just as dominant, but he had got with Fox in the end of '04 and really got those Fox shots working for him and his setup for '05, and we were all were just you know playing catch up. You know, everybody's with a new bike, we're trying to figure out how to get this Honda rear end to work and. You know, and that's what's trying to get these horsepower numbers up so for my big butt to get a good start. And we're all trying to, you know, play catch up here. And he just had his program together and had his mainly his shocks. And we just couldn't compete. His bike just go through the rough stuff like nobody's business. So he just flat out kicked our ass, him and his machine and program in 05. And we all like, wait a minute, <laughs> that ain't happening again next year. I'll tell you that. So, and that's where we only, at the time, I only got a one year contract with Honda. And I think he, I think everybody did. We're like, well, you ain't get my contract next year. So we all really busted our butts over the offseason and we came out swinging. And then we got, got, got two and three-year contracts. Nice. Nice. But, but when you were dominating or when you won the title in, in 06, did that give you a boost going into 07? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking right here. Glenn Helen, February the 5th, 2006. Moto 1, I got third. Moto 2, I won. First overall, 31 pros, I won. Track paid two thousand dollars. I think I made thirty grand from the uh, sponsors. I got a little quote here and everything. Yeah, that's like my four hundred fiftieth race right there. Wow. One of the first two nationals that year. Oh, the next one was uh, oh, I remember this race. I don't know if you were there or not. Oak Hill down in uh, Decatur, Texas. I believe that's where it was. February twelfth, two thousand six. Is like thirty degrees. The pro main event was. So I won that race too. Same situation. Had a qualify for the pros. Then we went to the Sunshine State down in Florida a couple weeks later, March. And that's where me and Natalia started hating each other even more. <laughs> he took me off the track, tried to run over him, blah, blah, blah. So that was good stuff back then. Did yeah, you guys yeah, so, win one too, or did you guys, were you fighting behind somebody? Uh, one, two. Yeah, so I won the first two nationals, and we were battling for at, um, I just turned the page, at um, Gatorback, Gainesville. Yeah. And so Natalie wins, and I get 12th overall. He took me out and then tore my bike up. Yeah, so I was not a happy camper. So I get a two wins, and then I get a 12th. So. What, what did Natalie do in the first two rounds? Natalie, I wrote that down. I want to say he got a – I know it was me – I think he got second. Me and Doug and Natalie the first round and Glenn Helen. And in the second round, I think he got third or fourth. 
Did he take the point lead over after year 12? Yes, he did. Wow. Yeah. Doug was in second. I stayed in second. I think Doug had a bad – I think that year Suzuki had some issues with their frame breaking or something. I don't know if it was him or Jeremiah broke. Had to be had to be Jeremiah because I think um, Doug got second that race. So, yeah, he Doug did good in Glen Hill. Glen Hill. So, he must – yeah, I think he I, – I was second. He was third point. I think he was like a point behind me or something. Nice. So, how did you pay John back? Well, let's see. About three races later at Muddy Creek, he had to leave. And I was going in. Uh, it was around a sweeper, just after the finish line, around a sweeper. And I squared off the turn and went hard into the inside. And I had the line, but he had the momentum. Uh, you know, who should back out? Well, hell, he knew one was going to back out. And I stuck my foot in there. About the time he's about a fourth gear turn, come out and go pop over a little, a little double and hit the long straightaway before the announcer's tower. Well, I dug underneath him. And I had the line, but he didn't back out, and I wouldn't give him a, give a shit if I hit him or not. So I hit him. His nerf bar, he went off the side of the track, flipping. I mean, it was like, well, I got on beat. My dad got on beat. It's like one heck of a crash. I'm looking back, going, "Oh shit, <laughs> is he gonna get up?" He gets up, stumbling, doing a cartwheel, and throws up. Right, give me the bird. Soon he got up on all both his feet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So like, oh, now it's all now, you know. So did the, did the Honda guy step in and say, "You two need to knock it off"? Nope. No, they didn't say a word. They uh, they actually didn't say anything. The end of the 06, 07 season, they would go around to the guys that were contracted by Honda. And I was winning both seasons, and they said, you know what, we're not asking you to pull over. You race your race, but just don't take Joe out if he comes up behind you. Okay, just race your race, but just know that we got a championship on the line and we all need this title. Just don't take Joe out. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't tell him to pull over for me. You know, so I know a couple of them did. I mean, Upperman was really, really nice to me because he always got good starts. And Harold Goodman did. I mean, <laughs> I mean, no, Harold, I was, I came out decent, like third or fourth. He had, I think he got the whole shot that race. But the third lap in, he looked right back at me and just kind of moved right over. I'm like, Dad, don't look, make it look so, so bad, Harold. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, that's what having a team is all about. Sometimes. It is, but they, they didn't tell them. I asked them, say, well, they, well, they tell you, and said, no, they told me race by race, just don't take you out. Be, you know, give me, uh, what, how they say, maybe say, give me, give don't me make it hard. Room. Don't give me some room if I'm coming by, because I'm coming by. I mean, I'm, I, I was just, you know, like the tally was on fire. I'm coming by. Just don't make it too hard, because I got people, you know, I got the green and, and yellow bikes to beat, you know? <laughs> were the green bikes even a challenge? Oh, God, man. I think 06, they were a joke. I remember going up. I think I was going up the hill at Glen Helen, the big hill out there. And I passed them like they were still going up that hill. But they just came out. I don't think they had their ECUs in. I think they still had Rev Limmer on there. I think it was Creamer, maybe Luberg or somebody. And I would just, you know, when I'm a big guy, I would just shift up to third, whatever gear it was. I just would literally went around them, like hit my blinker and came back over, you know, in HOV lane. And they just, they had nothing. They got competitive in 08. That was, and so they were a threat 08, 09. And I think, gosh, maybe. I can't remember if they were there 10 or not, but yeah, they were competitive those years, you know, when even they had Kramer. The failures they had, even with the engine failures? What's that? Even with their engine failures? Yeah, about me and, uh, uh see, oh, I can look them up eight or nine. I believe it was nine. Me and Wimmer and Weenan were all battling for the championship. And there's a post where it says Bird hits Kramer in the face. Then I was winning 
winning the race, and Creamer comes in and his rear ends me literally like 25 feet from the finish line. Wimmerick passes, there's four of us, me and Creamer and Wimmer and Gus, hell of a battle up in uh, Pennsylvania. I mean, I mean, we were going back and forth, back, just the best race ever. And Creamer just brain faded. I don't know what the hell the dumbass did, but he came in and nailed me hard. <clears throat> and about the time Weenan comes around, he didn't do good at moto. He really starts helping me pull the bike apart. I'm like, are you, I, I didn't notice it until I saw the videotape. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Well, me and Weenan battled for the championship, and I put Wimmer ahead with one or two races to go, and then me and Weenan tightened up. So that pretty much cost me the championship right there. They lost by a few points. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's why I smacked him in the head. But Did do any ramifications from that? I did, yeah. I got fined $5,000. got to put on probation, and um, yeah, it was – it was a bad deal. And then, of course, after the race, me and Creamer had words, and his whole team. Of course, you know Jimmy White. His big head came over there. And <laughs> MF, and, you know, we had a freaking melee in the pits. Nobody's at the podium, you know, because we he had. I mean, we're off getting ready to, you know. I had a. I don't even know what I had my hand. My, my mechanic had a half inch drive ratchet. My dad was there. You know, we just had the referee was all there. They're like, you go ahead and put the calm down. We were going to get after you know. I was pissed. He didn't cost me probably a hundred grand just for doing that. At the time, I thought maybe the championship, which in, in end up it was, and I was just ready to. I was not. I don't get mad too often, but I was. I was stupid mad at the end. Man, my I mechanic actually bought a. <laughs> my mechanic bought a one of those Team Green Kawasaki or Monster Energy Kawasaki toy trucks at the next truck stop. <laughs> he put it out in front of our eighteen wheeler and ran over it. Video <laughs> He was pissed off. Well, I get it. I get it. You know, I mean. Yeah, so just a lot of money. I mean, we, we wanted this big money. And then Creamer, he, he had a bad first motor, so he wouldn't have made a dent. He wouldn't have got on the podium. No matter if he passed me 20 feet to go or he we both took each other out, he wasn't getting on the podium. So he was just, you know, young and dumb, wasn't thinking, or doing it for, you know, weaning. I, you know, I don't know. You always, you know, team, team green rules there. I don't, I don't know what their things were. He's just being stupid or what, but. Anyways, cost me a lot of money in the championship, so yeah, we were we were pissed off. So, who won the title then? Wimmer. Wimmer. Yep. He was on a Honda that time or a Suzuki. It was Suzuki. Oh, so that made it even. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, and see, Wimmer came to my ride school like a dozen times. You know, good guy. You know, good family, and you know, and then next thing you know, shit. I think it's probably oh four or five. He went to my school probably. You know, a few years later, he's kicking my ass. I'm like, what the heck? You know, and shoulda, coulda, woulda. I know everybody, everybody can say all the excuses they want, but 08, I had a stator go out because we were running dirt bike staters at the time. And I had a, a brand new crank. I think it was a crank. Something went out of my engine at Unadilla. A rock went through. A rock went through the case right out of gravity cavity, put a hole in it. Crank went out. When I shot out of it. So two DNFs. 09, I had um, a rock. At Redbud, last lap, half lap to go, rock broke my chain in the, at the bottom of the Monza wall. And then I had a pipe break because um, who hit me there? Was it Natalia? Somebody hit me and broke my pipe. So there's four DNFs right there. I'm like, oh, God, I could have, I could have had, I, you know, should have, could have, would have, could have had the eight, nine championship too. I just, oh, I was just so sick. All that money and all that just little bit of, and I was just, oh, just irritated. So, so sad, so upset because you can't get that back, you know? Well, yeah, and, and and that's why you race, and that's why we do it, uh, because you want to you want to see how it all pans out. Yep, yep. You know, a lot of people say that. You know, you see a lot of people DNF. Man, I just for me, my life, I'm just like, man, I could have been. And even '03 when me and Jeremiah Jones. Of course, now I'm glad he won '03 because you know his situation. Uh, you know, 
glad he had that. But in 03, me and him were last, last moto. I was one point lead going into the last round at Southwick, Massachusetts. We're on the hybrids. We're running CRF 450 engines and the Walsh hybrid chassis. And I never got a good start because I was so much bigger than everybody else. We just got on four strokes. Of course, we didn't have the power that we have in them now. And we always started in first gear and those things. I'm like, man, I got to do something. He's going to pull a whole shot. I just know he's going to pull a whole shot. I can't come out 10th place and beat him. He's, he's too ready. And sure enough, I said, I got to try a second gear start. And just to try something, well, I'd be down if I didn't heat the tires up too much and I bogged it on the start and killed the engine. And back then, they didn't start as easy as they do now. So right. the last place guy was all the way up to the first turn, halfway down the next turn before I got mine started. And I was with old Tom Carlson at the time. <laughs> he was like, he was trying to push me, do whatever, get this damn thing started. Now, I came from dead last, I believe, with the second or third at Moto. Well, it didn't matter. Jones still won it. <laughs> right. So then, you know, just looking back, like all the, you know, what I told you a while ago, if I, I could change, I could go back to those years and change a few things. I might have five or six changes, but it, it don't happen that way. That's why you go racing. You just said it. So it is what it is, but, you know, you learn. Hey, you got two, right? Yep. That's better than most. Well, and that's two, in my opinion, on – probably two of the four hardest years that we've had in, in uh, three-wheeler or four-wheeler racing. All the big money, the big hype, you know, those six and seven. I say six, seven, eight, nine were the biggest four years we've ever had. The biggest money, the biggest rigs, the biggest sponsors, the biggest attendance. You know, we had almost a 1,000 at Lens, you know. Now there was, what, 300 there? You know, <laughs> they just, just dropped off. So, yeah, that was – so for Wimmer to win, me to win, even Italian 05 and, you know, and – um it wasn't 10. Well, Creamer won 10. I think Natalie won 11. So all those guys there, I mean, that's cream of the crop. You know, no, not taking away from the guys today or the guys before us, but when you're racing against 10 guys that can win and you're making six figures and, you know, everybody's just ready to cut your throat as soon as they look at you, you know, that, that's, that's the good stuff. Well, I mean, most guys today don't realize that even though the paychecks are smaller, a lot of those pro guys are racing paycheck to paycheck because they're not making a lot of money. They have to push it even harder because they have to have that money to make it to the next round. Yeah. Look at Thomas Brown. He's a hell of a rider and he's basically your third place guy and he, he can't race. He's got to quit because he can't make money. Yeah. And, and I get it. I totally get it. If you don't have a budget, if you don't have a little fortune behind you today, it's really a struggle. Yeah, yeah, you you see a lot of guys, their families with a little money. They're still out there now. Um, unfortunately, there's very few of those guys that are going to finish, you know, their pro career because they're usually the those guys with a lot of money. They're talented. They got a lot of backing, but they usually don't have the heart and desire to to pull through and, and be a pro champion. You know, I think Dustin Wimmer is probably one of the ones that came through and really surprised me. You know, because he they had they were from a little bit of money and he actually worked his butt off and actually came out and won. You know, so he's one of the few that you know proves you wrong. You know. Well, there's always that guy that has the heart and the desire that wants to, that wants to push through and wants to be something that he was never supposed to be or no, nobody ever envisioned that he could do. Yeah, which was me back in the 90s. I had, we had no money. My dad worked at a factory and, you know, we had to uh, work our ass off and just run, just jump equipment, you know, just to go to the Mickey Thompson's or go to the Loretta's or whatever, just to, you know, I'll, I'll ride, you know, without naming names, just to, the, the not so good equipment just to be able to race. Otherwise, I'm working at Domino's. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I get it. The love of the sport drove a lot of this uh, to the level that it is, you know, uh, yeah. that's one thing that upset me about the factory. They didn't even, I don't think they looked back at the people that carried the industry to that point and really cared. Well, you know, Lane, I, I, 
you, I have to say this to people all the time, you know, when you, is me and you, and you know, you got Sparks and you got Tom Carlson, you got all these guys that enrolled, all these guys that, you know, came from the late eighties and nineties and didn't have, we, we were all just doing it for the love of the sport. And then when the factories came in, they didn't even choose you guys. They went to your big Yoshimiras and all these, you know, big pro circuits, all these big guys that they, they knew and didn't, didn't really bring the guys on it, carry the sport. Now they're all gone. And guess who's still there? Sparks and Duncan and, you know, we're still here, you know? Yeah, there's a few new guys, but for the most part, the, the new guys came with the four strokes. Um, yeah. But the old, the old guard, I, I don't, I think there's only three of us left. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know how Tom is. I know he had an accident, but I don't know if he's back to work if or, or what his condition yeah, is. Yeah, he uh, Doug Gus was here riding with me this year back in, I want to say, April, May. We just ride for fun. We got the dozer out, built up the track, did a bunch of stupid shit, you know, rode about two laps and we're tired. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, Tom called it. He called him. So all the pandemic was going on. We, we were sitting there and had a speaker and he's doing good now, back to work and um, that was about three years ago, two years ago, he had his accident. I remember Jody at JB was telling me all about it. Just, you know, Tom riding up, riding, riding a bike down the road, no helmet on, messed up and fell off and knocked himself out and about killed him. Right. Yeah, that's that, that was crazy. I heard bits and pieces of it. We could never get, you know, I've, uh, Tom Carlson and I have a video somewhere, you know, that Ionia, uh, Michigan, yeah. the yeah. carnival that was there. Yeah. We got in one of those slingshot machines <laughs> together, you know, and we were squalling like little girls, you know. <laughs> but That's funny. So, I mean, I always got along great with Tom. I just never, uh, we just never stayed in contact, you know, throughout the years. Well, Tom's a guy, when I shattered both my ankles and my heel in 1996, leading the points in a, in a 250 at a time. I mean, I actually mean, Doug, us were tied for the points in 96. And I jumped that jump in, in practice at Muddy Creek, shattered both my ankles and my heel. He's the one that scooped me off the track and took me to the ambulance. <laughs> yeah, so, dude, go man. back to him a long way. Yeah, he's a good dude. Really yeah. good. That's that, that's crazy that, that we talk about all that. You know, Baldwin is still around. Yeah. I don't know if Curtis goes back east much anymore. You know, I know he went to that um, the TT race. They had the, the Legends race again. I don't know how many he goes to, but I know he went to that. <clears throat> the Jackie Meadows still good friends with me, and he uh, said he saw him there, and uh, Greg Paffer, a few of the guys, they seen pictures and stuff. Why didn't you go? I was – why didn't I go? I was I was doing some, a school that weekend, and I think I was doing uh, something, getting my commercial license or something with my race, my aviation stuff. Okay. Yeah, we, we were going to try to go, and we just, were just too busy, and it just – there's just not enough hours in the day to do everything. Right. So let, let's delve back into the 2006 season and, and start closing in on the final days of that, of that first championship. And how did the last couple rounds go for you? Let's see. I'll pull it up, actually. <laughs> I wonder if there's a lot of years in a row there for several years. In 06, yeah, I'm 06 right here, May, June, July. Well, you had two rounds, you got the red lands, and like most of the time, it's usually the last race, but Boulder Green, Kentucky was the last race that year. 
And I believe that was almost a month after, for whatever crazy reason they did that, which as a pro, you got to train every day just to stay in shape. You can't take off two weeks like an amateur. And then, okay, wait and save up some money. You got to ride every day. So that kind of sucked. But I won the Red Lands, which put me um, a healthy lead going into the final round at Bowling Green. And uh, Honda said, you know what, Joe? Bring home the title. Don't worry about the race. I'm like, you know, of course, I'm thinking that extra 30 grand would be nice. But I said, if the win's there, take it. But do not push it. Where I think it was me and Doug Gust and uh, who else in that championship? Even Jeremy Lawless or something like that was going good. Um, I think the tally was out. Wimmer hadn't come in yet. So it was me and Doug Gust buying the fuller. All I had to do is finish anywhere around Doug. I had like a 10-point lead or something going into that race. And they said, if you have to, just follow him around the whole track. Don't let him break check you. <laughs> don't do, don't try to, you know, let nobody get in there between you. Just follow him around the whole track. So actually, Jeremy Lawson, I think, pulled the whole shot. And I think Doug came out like fourth, and I came out like sixth. Got into fourth right behind him, and that's exactly what I did. He passed for third, I passed for fourth. He passed for second, I passed for third. We called up to Lawson, and we I followed him the whole race. <laughs> so I think I got, what did I get, second? Or, I must have got third for the weekend and won a championship. So. And that's, that's, that's all you had to do is, is that's all I had to do. I think whatever I won by six, seven points, maybe cause I lost some points, you know, maybe Doug didn't do good in the first one, whatever it was, I can look it up, but yeah, I, I didn't have to do anything, but just stay right with Doug. And luckily we just, you know, our programs were where we knew was going to be top three of that race. And, and sure enough, you know, Honda was there, everybody was there. We had all the shirts, the whole nine yards and, you know, um, yeah, that's all I had to do, just finish right where he did. So, you know, you on the podium, you get all emotional and everything, and it, uh, there can't be a, a drug out there any better than that. You need to send me an autographed number one jersey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at, um, at that time, it was probably 30, 30 years? No, 20, maybe 20 years or so, 20-plus years racing to finally do that. You know, it's – that's the biggest thing in the earth to a pro racer, right? Try to win that thing. <clears throat> well, okay. Uh, okay. Take a second and gather your thoughts and explain the emotional swing from crossing the finish line, knowing that you were number one to it sinking in a couple of days later. Well, go back a couple of laps before that. You're <laughs> you're out there racing. Oh man, my chain's about to break. I think my valves are rattling. My my engine's detonating. You know, everything in the world is wrong through that bike two laps from the end. You can't. You're like my seat's about to fall. You know, there's nothing wrong with the machine. You're just so nervous. You're like, please don't break, because man, if that machine would have broke, you know, I could have lost it right then. But you don't want to push it, but you can't let that guy behind you pass. So when you cross the finish line, you're like, actually, before you cross the finish line, I probably. A quarter of a lap to go, not even a lap to go, because you're like, anything can happen. When I can see that fin that checkered flag getting ready to come out, probably three turns ago, you're like, oh, shit. That's when it was emotional. So w what were the emotions? <laughs> crying. <laughs> yeah, crying like a damn baby. Yeah, you cross the finish line, you're like, oh, God, I got I to gotta do an extra hot lap and get these tears out, you know, I'm trying to be cool, you know? <laughs> so, and I'm still emotional. But yeah, it's just... um. Just like, yeah, hell, I was just crying like a baby, actually. And I didn't want to go on a, I didn't want to go on a podium for a few seconds. And then you finally gather your thoughts and you go up there and you see that damn big ass trophy and a champagne. You're like, yeah, you know, you're, now you're like, now you feel like a badass, you know, it's unsunk in. And then you go home and you're just like looking at all the, you know, looking at everything. Like, Man, I did it, you know? Hey, you're feeling sore as hell, but it's worth it. How, 
when, when you started prepping, I mean, did you immediately start prepping for the next year or did you take a little time off? Oh, hell no. We had a hell of a championship party. I, that was September, what's third, 12th, something like that. So I took a whole month off and about, I think we announced it the very next week or so. We had a big party, had a, you know, several hundred people come to the house. We had a big, big get together. And as soon as that was over with, I headed out west. Most of the sponsors were always out your way. So we'd always go out to California, see all my sponsors. And then, of course, they'd all celebrate with me. And then we'd start uh, finalizing our deals. We'd already been negotiating what we're doing for the next year, finalizing our deals. And Hunt had already sent the bikes. Like I said, they always did what they said they were going to do. They'd send me 10 bikes at a time. And I probably had the bikes here before the party was even going on, you know. So I'd signed my contract with them in August. Um, I think that year I had that contract signed before I even won the championship. So already knew what I was getting. I just had more bonuses they were going to add to it if I won. So, yeah, we'd, uh, we'd only take, as far as hardcore training, we take some time off. We'd, as soon as that party was over, we'd go out there and negotiate the deals. And then late November, we'll start testing, test all of December. And then hopefully January, most of your testing's done. And then when the heat comes in, you do some more testing with different oils in your shocks and just, you know, a little different things. But, you know, I try to fo- really have my focus on February. You know, six weeks before the race, I want to be in shape, ready to go race that race. And then it's boot camp time. So there's, uh, you know, you're in the house at 6, 37 o'clock. You're in bed by 9, 30, 10 o'clock. You're eating. All you're doing is ride, train, eat, and sleep. Ain't no, no drinking, no partying, nobody bitching, no nothing. All the mechanics are done and gone and everything just it has to be perfect or you ain't going to win. You know, too much stress and drama makes anybody go crazy. So it was, I had a boot camp program we ran. What was, had to. was it hard in seven to get motivated and to go again because no, you had no. the one or were no, you? I, no, I was ready. I was so excited. I want to go, go do it again. Show you, you know, it wasn't a fluke. You know, I'm going to make sure I, you know, cause I raced with the best of the best. I'm like, you know, I wouldn't know just one time fluke. I'm going to do it again. And I was hoping I would, you never know, but I was so motivated, you know, to go into it. Cause we'd always go to Florida for the winter to train. So I warmer down there. So I was so excited to get down to Florida, get the training and uh, try to get that second championship. And, you know, I'd go out there and negotiate all the money with all my sponsors. I'm like, man, I'm, you know, finally making some good money. And I was so excited. And I just didn't want to get hurt because I didn't want to lose <laughs> finally all that money. I, you know, try to work to get and we'd gone. But yeah, I was, no, I was really motivated for a few years there to, to try to do good. So, so when you roll into seven, what did the season start like for seven? Let's see. Where was that first race at seven? <laughs> Well, I think I want to say it's Glen Hill again. Let's see what I did there. Now, 2008 got a little more interesting for me. I'll tell you that in a minute. But 2007 was where we go. Well, there's Hill City. I got 25 leaves there in Pampas. Uh, I pulled up. I guess Hill City might have been the first race. Yeah, there you go. So Alabama was the first race that year. And let's see. I did not do good. I got ninth overall. Let's see what happened here. Jeremy Lawson won it. I'm reading my quotes because I got a quote. I put a couple paragraph quote in here on what happened. You know, I can't just put numbers. Or I don't remember that far back. Came out second. Passed Goodman for the lead. Had a seven-second lead. And uh, my rear shock, I think that shock either the line busted or had air in it, went on me and I crashed. 
couple laps ago in the whoops, had real high speed whoops going there right behind the finish line, a crash in the whoops. Let me see. And then the next moto, I came out second, got third. I felt tired and didn't feel good. So always, I'm always uh, at the very end. I'm very disappointed in myself. <laughs> That's what the quote was at the end of the paragraph. Dude, you threw yourself on the ground, and then that with all the emotion and all the things going on, uh, I'm sure that took something out of you at, at, at that day, uh, yep. especially the end of the second moto there. Yep, and then we go to uh, Glenn Helen. Let's see. Literally two weeks later, I do a 1-1 one, one, and 1-0 one overall. So, dominate both motos. Let's see. So, it's a good weekend. Pulled both hold shots and dominated. Natalia got second. And he's but still he, on a uh, Honda at this point? Let's see. Natalia was on a Honda at this point, yeah. I believe he was. I think it's an East Coast ATV Honda. I think he owed I think maybe he went on the Can-Am. He, he was a dog for like two or three years, so they finally got that going. But, yeah, he, was, he obviously was because he didn't. He wouldn't have done that good on a Can-Am the first year. Yeah, I don't know. I have my own stories and own own, own issues of that. Can you? <laughs> I rode his bike though, and it handled really good. It just slowed a turd. I rode uh, Wimmer's bike, and it ran almost as good as my Honda, but really handled almost as good as Natalie's bike. They're just they just had those things dialed in. Yeah, they just fell apart quick. Yep. Yep. You know, it's like the Cowies. They had a great program, but their motors were too short-lived. Yep. Yep. So, so you bounced back in, in Glen Helen, and who was your who were you struggling with in seven? Let's see. Seven was uh, still the same. Natalie, Gus, uh, Jones was already out. Wimmer was coming into it because uh, he uh, Wimmer took Jones' spot when Jones got hurt in 06. So Wimmer, matter of fact, I just took page two races later, Wimmer won. So it was, yeah. You got Wimmer, Lawson, Doug, Natalie. Those are the guys. I'm looking at my results here to see who else won this year. And so far, that's the same people. Keep on going here. Lawson won several races that year. Weenan was still there. Yeah, Weenan won uh, Loretta Lynn's that year. Wimmer won three. Yeah, those guys. Wimmer, Weenan, Gus, Natalie, Lawson. Those are the main guys that year. Weenan was on uh, Suzuki still, or, or was he on a Cowie? Let's see. I think he was on Suzuki still. Yeah, well, six, he was on. He went to Suzuki. Oh, seven, I believe he was on Suzuki all year and all eight, I think, Cowie. Right, right. He's got the full spectrum. You know, he didn't ride for Honda, but he rode for Suzuki, Cowie, and Can-Am, and then Yamaha. He rode a Honda for just, you know, himself or whoever was sponsoring him. Right, sick, and he was fast, but he had just a garbage program. And then he, like you said, so he started on the Honda, but just no support. And then he right. went to he, he was with every manufacturer. You know, at one time I'm like, why in the hell are they still hiring him? He has no loyalty. But you know, you go with the paychecks out, I guess. And and you know what? It, 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 it's he's he's been pretty loyal to Yamaha. Well, I would yeah, because that's the only thing out there. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you be? <laughs> well, yeah, no, you know, nothing against his choices. I'm just saying. If you had somebody else come out there with a better offer, he'd probably go there too. You never know. You never know. He might have stayed. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I know him a little bit. I, uh, I I spoke to him before he got under the factory rides. You know, when I was helping yeah. Tavis Dean back there. So, and that's you know, two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah. So, I mean, we were. We, I don't. I think my last. 
I think my last time back was, was, uh, I think it was 2006. Oh, wow. You know, I don't think, I don't think I made a, uh, uh, and I don't think we, we didn't do, uh, the GNC. We did the WPSA. Yeah. Yeah. That was big in 05 and 06 and it stopped in 07. Honda wouldn't let me do that. They wanted me to focus on the nationals. They said the nationals will always be there. The WSA, you want to know that, who that place is in 10 years. And they were right. Yeah. I mean, we all, I, I think most everybody seen it failing, you know, yeah. because the guys that were pushing it were, were drinking more than they were doing anything else. Yeah. That's a shame. That and the Mickey Towns. Imagine where the sport would be if that, that would stay going or the Mickey's would stay going, you know? I think the Mickey's, because you still have people today that watch some of the old Mickey's because it still airs in other countries and they just think it's the greatest thing ever. Yep. And under the lights that made the machines look so great. Oh yeah. I know the the tracks weren't as technical, but you know, there was just something about it that was just awesome. Yeah, yeah, I really missed that. That was cool. I still got uh, I still got the videos when I won my first two out there, that old Walker Evans, and um, I forget the other commentator was talking about it. <laughs> Good stuff. Oh, yeah, I, I love the Mickeys, you know, because yeah. the bike stayed clean. You didn't destroy your stuff. Yep, short, quick races, exciting, 40,000, 50,000 people. Oh, yeah, and you blow in on, on Friday, race Saturday, and you're home Sunday night. Yep. You know? Uh, even when you were in Denver, cause you still, you still, I still drove all, all the way there and all the way back, but it, it was still a lot of fun. And in big cities, you're not in the middle of nowhere like some of these races are. Oh dude, I've been in some places that no, people don't live. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I went to some of these places with my big 18 wheeler, like they want us to come to these races and I got to take a chainsaw down to get the trees down to get into the drive. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> the, the first time you're like, what? Yeah. So, so I'll give you some juice here, get get some stirred up some shit here because okay, so I went to 06 championship, I went to 07 championship. In 07, we um I had a real, you know, put a lot of hole shots. We had the you know, I think we just got the Dunlop tires. They had these heat sensitive steel belted radial tires. These things were just badass. They had these Kitty Hawk tire warmers for me. So if it was a concrete start, I'm pulling the whole shot. This these guys, they paid me a lot of money and had the best tires ever. So and uh so 08 rolls around, and now I'm really the dickhead, right? So I'm I'm on this shoestring budget from Honda compared to what these other guys, you know, they're spending several hundred back grand, but not the millions of dollars these other guys were. And so I just got a divorce in January of 08. Of course, I got all this shit going on. I'm trying to be the champion, going out to do this again. And everybody's calling me the cheater and a piece of crap and all this stuff. One on the track and two with my wife. And of course, that wasn't the case with either one of us. We just irreconcilable differences. But... So we go to the first race at Glen Helen, and I had my big rig there. I wake up the next morning. I walk out there, and they're like, don't come out here. I'm like, what? What? I can't go outside? No, nah, don't come out here. Wait a minute. Well, somebody had uh, wrote cheater, like six foot tall, 40 foot long on the side of my RV. So because they thought I cheat, you know, I just got my divorce. They're trying to mess with my head. And it was one of Suzuki's mechanics. Well, that name of names. I don't like this guy. So it was one of their mechanics, and I didn't find out for way on down the road who it was. They just messed with me, and Kyle Saki messed with me for the next two years, calling me a cheater, a liar, a piece of shit, on and off the track. They protest me all the time. 
And so I just started making statements. You guys ain't smart enough to catch me. I, you know, catch me, protest me every race. You're not going to, one, you're not smart enough to get in my head with all this cheating bullshit because I'm going to kick your ass again this year. And two, protest me, you know. You, you get your sore loser or protest me and you lose the protest every weekend. So it got ugly there for several months, maybe a year and a half. Okay. <laughs> so, where's the, where's the, where's the, where's the shit talking going to come in? Because. Well, well, it wasn't a whole lot of shit talking on the, on the other side <laughs> because they, uh, you know, you got after, you know, let's see, we had a lot of issues. I, I got protested every race. Of course, we'd shit talk in the pits. Harvey come ban me from this one or disqualify me from this moto or whatever bullshit was going on. But I remember at Glen Helen, we had, uh, they were running the pro track, the bike pro track. It was on top of the hill where the REM track, I believe it was. And there's a nine degree turn. There's a finger going into it, a finger coming out of it. Hey, Bill's separated. Well, I just jumped across the whole finger, made a shortcut. Totally legal to do because I didn't touch down. Remember how they used to do it in the big times when they jumped the barrels? Yep. Well, that's where I learned it. So it's legal. Gray area, but it's legal. Well, the, the last qualifying time practice, old Donnie Luce is up there, Jimmy White's up there. You know, all these, all these factory <laughs> reps are up there watching me do this. And so they told Harvard about it and Smitty and all these guys about it. So they were standing on there the first moto. Well, I did. I pulled the whole shot and I did it. And then guess what? Natalie does it right behind me. Wimmer does it right behind me. Uh, Gus does it. Everybody does it. Like the top 10 guys have done it. Well, they, they protested me and fined me. Was it a couple thousand dollars? And took a couple points away because I did. I'm like, what do you mean I did it? Well, everybody else did it. Well, you did it first. Monkey see, monkey do. So I was why I got in trouble. <laughs> wow. So, so, so now the dirty riding started coming in on, on not and, just me, and Honda but, didn't and Honda didn't step in. They did step in. They tried to they tried to disqualify me for the race. So they didn't disqualify me for the race because Honda helped out. Honda helped out. The races they were at, there was a couple of different races that they were trying to screw me over because there's this one race, where's this at, Muddy Creek, I believe it was. So you know how you drop down into the, the starting pit, there's usually a six by six or four by four post, you got to have your tires in, you got to be within eight, 18 inches from the gate, you got to can't be no further back than 18, you know, or obviously don't be too close to the gate, but there's a little, there's about a foot window right there you can get in, right? Mm -hmm. And most of the time, those gates aren't perfectly center. You got the amateur ruts, they're all crooked and shit. You're trying to straighten them out and everything. Well, I was not perfectly centered. So instead of the two gates where they meet, there's a gap there, being perfectly centered in my front number plate, I was off by an inch and a half. Literally, if it was two inches, I'd kiss your butt. It wasn't very far off at all. Okay, so I see Kawasaki and Suzuki over there, and, and I think even though, uh, Yamaha's over there. They were, they were pointing at me and talking to hard and pointing at me. I'm like, the hell's going on? I'm just trying to get, you know, get ready to race. Well, and I wasn't the only one, you know, you just line up where the normal, you know, spot is. You don't be half a tire in the rut, half a tire out of the rut. Well, they come over and Harv, uh, told me to get centered in the ruts. I'm like, Harv, I already prepped my start here. I'm ready to go. I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, whatever it was, 12 o'clock, we're getting ready to hit. I said, scoot over. I'm like, you kidding me right now? So you turn off everybody's on the starting line and shut everybody down. We're all like, what the hell's going on? Everybody's engines are overheating. And they're like, Joe, I told you to scoot over. You want to race or not? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I said, so I had to scoot over, get perfectly centered. Well, now half my tire or some of my tires in the hole, some of it's out. So I'm going to come out crooked, right? You can imagine what I'm trying to do here. I said, give me one minute. Let me half-ass prep my gate. All right. So he told everybody to fire it back up, hold the two card up. He gave me the two minutes. I prepped my gate. And I backed up as far as I could get. I was right next to Wayne in on one side, and I think uh, Pat Brown was on the other side. We're all backed up, you know, as far as you can get back to that during that 
at board, right? Harv comes back over there. He said, pull forward. I'm like, what? He said, pull forward. I was like, no, I'm not beside the rest of the guys. I'm right, literally, I'm even with Winnie. Can you see me? He said, I told you to pull forward. Literally, I let, I let go of my brake for like a half a second. I moved forward maybe an inch. He said, okay, let's go. I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't know what they what they told him or what they paid. They might have paid him to freaking screw me like that. Ain't up pulling a whole shot win race, but still. <laughs> they screwed me like that all the time. They protest my they, I'd be on a starting line, just like old Donnie Banks happened to him at um, Boyd, Texas. It happened to him, happened to me at uh, Bowling Green. They shut everybody down, come over, drain the fuel out of my carburetor, and send it off to get lab results. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They actually took my mechanic's shoes off one time, made him change his shoes because somebody said he had spikes in them. <laughs> so he go back and change his shoes because I think he had on, uh, oh, like the little work boots like uh, – Baldwin wears, what's everybody wears, made him put tennis shoes on the, on the start line. Oh, yes, sir. That's they come over, they come over between motos and wanted to check my valves and see if my valve angles were right. And I'm telling you, every race I get posted for something just to screw with me because whenever we go back to the, you know, the, the headquarters, how we do, you know, and then they say, I won. Well, why in the hell are we spending $4 million on racing when Joe Bird's winning on a on the budget you know so it made him look bad so oh yeah i went through a lot of hell for those couple of years there so and they did and that still eight point. and nine. Oh yeah eight and nine yep they did a little bit in six oh seven i was just dominating and oh eight and nine i still doing good i should have won both championships but they just kept fucking with me or screw sorry kept messing with me and you know just and that that's when the whole divorce happened the whole they were just i mean over everything they could mess with trying to mess with my head mess with my my bike mess with the rig just Everything you could think of, you know, and uh, I still almost got it. So, like I told them, they wasn't smart enough to get in my head. That's stricken. That's awesome. Yeah. How many races <laughs> did you win in, in, in eight and nine? Let me see. I think at least half a dozen. Let me see. What are we at here? Seven. You're supposed to know that stuff off the top of your head. Oh, gosh, I slipped him in. I'd say at least six. I'm, I'm looking right now, but yeah, I think six. I was on a podium a lot. I was either on a podium winning or upside down, somebody take me out and turn or vice versa. <laughs> we, we would battle back then. That's why I said in the last race, all these candy out there. I'd go through a set of nerf bars every weekend, probably set of front wheels. So they didn't. They didn't do anything. If you were taken out, they didn't do anything to anybody. Well, you know, it's you know, it wasn't like completely T-bone like a NASCAR just knocked the shit out of you. It would you know, drive you off the side of the track, and you know, we went a bunch of wimps. You know, they take me out. You know what? Okay, it's coming back to you. You know, we're not, we're not going back. Most of the riders were you know pretty badass, and it's mainly the teams and the guys behind the scenes bitching and raising hell. So the riders, we all give it to each other as hard as the other guy would. You know. I'm on five, six wins right now. Maybe let's see, one more. Seven. Yeah, I got seven. Yeah, you know, seven, eight wins, maybe ten wins between those two years. That's pretty good. And you did, and you almost won the championship in eight and nine. Almost won, yeah. Like I said, if I hadn't had that pipe break, the, the chain break, the rock hitting the breaking engine, there was one other thing. What was it? Uh, oh, Stater. Those four DNFs, I would, you know, if the, if I would just finish where I was at. In that in the race, because it was towards the end of the motos, I would have won by like 15 points both years. But again, should have, could have, would have, and I ended up losing by, you know, five or six points one year and a dozen points the next year. 
So two DNFs one year, two DNFs the other year. Yep. Oh man, what a hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's that's it's hard drive home. You know, back then I wasn't flying; I was driving, I'd, and I'd drive the big big rig all the way home. I'm madder than hell. You come, you know, you got a twenty hour drive. You just chewing at nails, you know, all the way home. Just, you know, there's nobody's fault. You can't help a rock hit your chain, you know, or uh, breaks your engine, you know, just dumb stuff. You know, you want to point at somebody, or if it's my fault, I'm be more mad. You know, so I'm, I blew something, but you know, for the most part, the bikes at that point in time were pretty reliable, and it's just, you know, it just shit house luck, you know. Yep. But it's still to make it easier. That long drive home, you just think, you know, you just went about thirty grand for first and like four hundred dollars for four. So I'm back here in fourth place, just chomping at the bit to see whoever it was weaning or tally up here in fourth in first place. There's twenty nine thousand six hundred dollars right there. You know, I gotta go get him. And if I'm in first place, I'm gonna fall off the bike before somebody passes me. You know, if they had a heat stroke or, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fight. <laughs> you know, you're gonna come around me, you better earn it. You know, and that's the way it was. You know, they, you if you came around me, by God, you hurt. You know, I felt. Or if I came around you, you felt it. So who was the, the, the hardest guy to race with? Well, you mean uh, it's a great – I mean, the toughest one to pass or like the nastiest one? I mean, because, you know, the, the tally and I always did the most bumping. He was the – I'd say me and John and Tally were, were probably the, just the meanest ones out on the track. You know, they called me Dirty Bird and him the Iron Man, you know. And if he's behind you, you know, it's about to get, you know, about to get serious here or vice versa, you know? So I'd say probably John. Who did you enjoy racing the most? Whoever I was beating, right? <laughs> I didn't have any favor. Whoever was behind me, I loved it. I loved kicking their ass. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yep. It's all fun and games then, you know, but now, you know, like my birthday was last week, old John called to me, happy birthday, you know? So. You know, we we hate, literally hate each other from probably, oh gosh, I remember remember we raced that track in uh, Wolf Creek Motocross in uh, Cleburne, Texas. Yeah, and uh, this was in the nineties, I'm thinking ninety one, two, I don't remember. Well, John Talley, dumbass, he comes around there on his banshee, and me and Barry McCarter racing for the lead on the five hundred class. Barry was riding his quadzilla, I think I was on a two fifty frame with a five hundred engine in it. And Natalie, I call him a dumbass now because I'll tell you the story. When we was on the start line, his A-arm bolt was about to fall out. I'm looking at him going, should I say something? I don't really know this guy. <laughs> you know, but maybe I just easy, you know, that's no competition there. I was a nice guy. I said, John, you know, look, yeah, I was, oh, sorry, you know. They took hard up, they fixed the, the bolt, and uh, I was in second. John, Barry didn't do this big tabletop. And I was like, crap, he didn't, he didn't do it. And it wasn't really wide enough to jump beside him. So I backed out too. Well, guess who didn't back out? Natalie. He jumped that son of a gun. I was just, I just, just getting ready to go on the downside. I just feel somebody just clobbered me. His freaking drain bolt hits me right in the back of the helmet. Pancake me. I fell into the bite. I, my ass broke the Nerf bar off. I went flipping, matter, you know, I like, get up, I'm matter and hell. Natalie literally didn't crash. He bounced off me like a damn clip of a double, went sideways and kept going, went after Barry. I'm like, oh, you kidding me right now? Well, now I'm pissed. So he comes back around, and I have no Nerf bar, no foot peg, and I try to ram him when he comes back around. I was so damn pissed off at him. Well, I missed him. And then I, I come off the track, matter in hell. My dad pulled, hold me back, and he was just so bewildered. He's like, well, what, what's wrong? Are you kidding me? You just landed on my head. So, And we had a couple instances like that. You know, we're kids then. You're teenagers or whatever then. And then that just went on. And then when the money got real big, he just was doing stupid shit too. Of course, I'd get right back to him. And then we just hated each other until probably, oh, God. 15, 16, I don't know, right before he retired, before I retired, I guess. And then we 
Hey, actually, the last couple of years, we both raced together. He actually come here and him and his wife, we, they'd stay at the house. We'd ride and train together for the last couple of seasons in the summertime when it was hot. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. That's so awesome. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you taking some time with me again. I, I've enjoyed, I enjoy hearing the stories. <laughs> I, oh, I, I got hope, plenty of them. <laughs> I hope that you'll take some time with me again. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, because you're uh, you're a lot of fun. I mean, this is <laughs> I, I'm holding back some of the laughter because I don't want it to overshadow the story. <laughs> My dad says that I need to learn how to write a book. I got so many stories and stuff, just all kinds of good stuff I can tell, you know. So, well, we'll definitely do this again and get you back on the show, um, so you can tell us some more. You know, we'll, we'll we'll pin it down again. We'll try to pin it down again. Maybe we'll go back in time to the uh, to the old 250R days um, when, it was, yeah. when it was really tough. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, easy bikes to work on, but, man, that was hard to go fast on those things. Uh, yeah, but you, did, you didn't do bad. No, I wasn't racist. They just, you know, being 6'5 at the time, 225, I used to race that. That was racing at Shane Head at, you know, 130 pounds, you know. That was hard to compete, you know. When it was, I actually came out of the start okay. Then I could compete, especially when it was getting good rough, you know. But other than that, man, I just those guys were just power to weight ratio, those things with no more horsepower than they had. But I tell you, about uh, two three years ago, before I hung up my last two fifty R motocross back, I rolled it around the track, and I'd be darned if that thing still don't handle really damn good, you know. Right. <laughs> the only reason that I don't like it as good as the bike I. Well, my championship zones, I still have those bikes. It's just sheer power. You know, there's no substitute for, you know, horsepower. So, but they still handle good. And I think my last motocross two-stroke was a, a legger chassis with a roll front end and, and axle shocks. That's hard to beat that combo. Yep. It is. It is. Gotta love it. Yep. Uh, I still want to get my hands on a, a Lobo chassis. I had one, and, of course, at the time, I had to sell it to, you know, get to the next race. But i like to get that and uh, an old Quadzilla, a couple of Ducatis. I still got a, I got a bunch of things, but I, until the, the, two years ago, I couldn't have anything but Honda in a shop. You know, they'd, uh, they'd, they'd frown on that stuff. So now that I'm retired, I can get some of those old, you know, vintage antique bikes and hang them up. I think it'd be kind of cool. It would. It would. Yep. I'd, li I, I, I'd like to come and see your place. Yeah, I'd love for you to come here. You know. So, again, well, thank you so much. For, for talking with me. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858-571-0160. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us, 
on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.